Thanks for joining us this week for Truth Encounter with our study leader, Dave Wurtzen. Moses was a George Washington of ancient Israel, but he never crossed his Delaware into the new land. God asked him instead to pass the reins of leadership to a younger man named Joshua. Instead of resisting this change, Moses skillfully prepared the way for the new generation of leaders. Let's join Dave as he introduces our study titled Leadership, The Next Generation by relating some of the struggles to make changes in leadership in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Whether it's a church or whether it's a seminary or whether it's a football team, transitions in leadership are really, really hard. We're coming to the end of the book of Deuteronomy. And you say, some of you are saying, praise the Lord. It's taken you about, about two years longer to preach this message that, than, than it even took Moses himself the first time around. Well, we're getting to the very end. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And Moses is on his last leg. Literally, he's on the last leg of his speech and of his declaration to the people. He's also on the last leg of his time of tenure, his time of leadership with the children of Israel. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, for the next several chapters as we close this book, we are going to be able to participate in a transition of leadership. Some of you are going to face this in your businesses. Some of you, as you grow older, are going to have to listen to what Moses teaches you about transitions of leadership. Uh, I'm not 120 years of age. Uh, sometimes I feel like it. But by the nature of the age of our church, we need to have the older generation, and it's hard to be in that group, but the older generation needs to be connecting with the younger generation and giving new responsibility and giving new training. The younger generation, the Joshuas, need to grab a hold and realize that, that you're now the adult that you're not just a teenager anymore, that, that now you need to grow up and assume responsibility. And the same things that maybe some of your dads or some of the older men that you respected, the same kinds of, of exploits for God that they did, you need to do. That's what this chapter is about. It's about an older man that instead of being like a lot of older men who are afraid to face what's happening, they're afraid to pass on the mantle, they're afraid to, to invest confidence in the younger generation. Moses exhibits to us a very wise, older man. In fact, there's great disappointment in his life as we read this chapter. The Lord is not going to let him go in and possess the land. All the Lord's going to do at the end of the book of Deuteronomy is let him go up on a high mountain and look over what everyone else is going to do. You see, you can get up on top of Mount Pisgah, I've been right there, and you can see almost the whole Holy Land. You can look way up into the north and see 10,000 foot high Hermon on a clear day. You can look down, you're, you're at, at Pisgah you're looking right down over the Dead Sea, the southern area of Israel, and you can just see the whole layout of the promised land. And the Lord made Moses look at that from a distance, but he never let him enter in. That's hard for older leaders. You see, sometimes what an older leader has to do is say that the Lord set up some parameters about what I can do. And I need to equip the next generation for what the Lord wants them to do. Most older men are not able to do that. Most older women are not able to do that. 
Some of you, that as you grow older, it becomes a very traumatic time. It's hard to, it's hard to wake up and be at the age where you are. But what that means is that, that now I am a mature leader. I'm not just starting out like when I was 23 here in Midlothian. I have had some life experience. I have learned some things. I want to really communicate to, to those of you that are my age or near my age, some of you that are in the generation above me, don't fight against that. One of the most important things that our society needs that our churches need, that our school needs, that our government needs, is some, some people that will accept, I've experienced life. I've learned some lessons. I know some things. I know some things that you need to really build on. And we need to create an atmosphere where the younger generation can connect with the older generation. Not to do that. The older generation needs to say, I am what I am. They need to not go out and, you know, buy a beautiful sports car and, and let their hair grow real long and, and go back and pretend they're in high school again. You know, trade off the old wife, get a younger one, or trade off the old husband and get a younger one and, and just pretend you're going back. You can't go back. And it's very important this morning to learn from Moses. And Moses is still going strong at 120 years of age, but he's an older man that knows where he's at in life and wisely and skillfully connects with the next generation. We begin the chapter by facing the reality of Moses' age, and we have a charge to the entire nation in verses 1 through 8. And this is something that the older generation, those of you that have gray hair, those of you that have the experience of life, you need to be giving charges. You need to be giving challenges to the next generation. Look what Moses says to his generation. Then Moses went out, though he's still strong enough to get up and he goes out and he's going to address the people. And he spoke these words to all of Israel. I know as foolish as it might seem, the gathering together and the sharing together of God's people is really important. Moses went out and he gathered the people around, just like we're gathered today. Moses went out and he, went and he addressed the people, you might say. I am now, you can just hear him. I am now 120 years old. Anybody that old? No. And so if Moses is still addressing the people at 120 years, then you can still address the people at 60, at 70, or at 50, whatever you might be. Moses is now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. I love the Hebrew text here. What it really says is, I'm not able to go in, and I'm not able to go out. What he's saying is that the arthritis is getting my knees, and, and I'm, I just really can't get around anymore. In fact, maybe they had to carry Moses out. I don't know. But I love the, the blunt way in which the Hebrews say it. They say, I'm no longer able to go in and go out. When I read that and prayed about it this week, I thought about the fact that now I still am able to go in and go out. How about you? When I ask all of you, just think of it. Some of you that are older, some of my precious friends, you're not able to go in and out. You're like a Moses individual. And I want you not to be discouraged by that. Moses couldn't go in and out either at 120. You see, that's the way age is. It's a very hard thing. I want to promise every one of you that the Lord one day is going to give you a body that will be ageless. He's going to give you a body that will be able to go in and out. You'll be able to fly, you might say. You're going to be able to go anywhere you want to. You're going to be mobile. You're going to be alive. You're going to be all right. And that's a great, great confidence. But in this life, in this life as we grow older, slowly but surely we can't go in and out as well as we used to do and I want to say to the older generation, don't let that discourage you. Be a Moses. Keep addressing the people. 
Don't let it cause you to become so depressed that you, that you no longer engage with the younger generation. Don't believe the reality that the, that the younger generation doesn't want you to address them. Don't believe those lies that Satan brings into you that time has passed you by. I think some of our terminology is a little bit, who wants to be older in our society? And so I want to change it. If some of you are mature women, if some of you are spiritually a little bit farther down this pathway of life, please ask the Lord about connecting with a younger woman. And what I mean by that, you see, if you've already brought your first baby home, and there's somebody else that's never brought their baby home and they're getting ready to do it, then you're an older woman. You're a mature woman because you've already had that experience. And that's what a church family should be like. You see, it's very important for a mother in our church family. I'm just using this as a concrete example about what we mean by those that are a little bit farther down the line. You see, no woman in our church family should bring a baby home for the first time and not know what to do just to deal with something very concrete. You see, some of you that have had, like Mary's had four of them, some of you that have had five and six, you're an old hand at it. But it'll be a marvelous experience for you if you remember what it was like to come home for the first time. And there's great skill and there's great wisdom and there's great safety and protection when we have that kind of training. Well, that needs to happen spiritually. Some of you that are older know how to win someone to the Lord. There's a lot of young Men and women, they've never won someone to the Lord. How are they going to learn how to do it when the older ones teach the younger ones? So Moses is a great example. If, if, if at 120, he is still, even when he can't go in and out, he's, he crawls out, and, you know, he does the best he can, but he's still addressing the people. I also want to say to you younger ones, go. When I say to you younger ones, go. You're able to go in and out. There's energy. In your early 20s, and you're your late, you know, before you hit 20, there's tremendous energy. Go, go, go. Some of you want to, you know, you want to go on that Pittsburgh trip. You want to have that inner city missions. Go. Jonathan and Joel, you know, Jonathan's saying, Dad, I need to talk to you. And, and man, I think when I, I'm going to study in Israel, you know, next semester, and then I think I'm just going to stay over there for the summer. And I'm going to, someone's asked me to work with kids from the States that will come and I'll, I'll train them in music, train them in drama, and we're going to go witnessing all over Israel. You think I should do it? You know what I feel like as a dad? You don't want to do that, Jonathan. Man, I was in Israel one time. They were shooting missiles over my head. Man, there's terrorists in, 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 in Israel. How many of you agree? Parents, there's terrorists in Israel. You might get blown up. Any parents feel like that? Do any of you parents counsel your kids? Don't go. Don't do it. Your kids will slip in the bathtub and get killed right here at home. No, I'm only kidding you. No, the Lord doesn't really work like that. But I want you to know something. The younger generation has a go. Remember that? How many of you that are about my age? Remember when you had a lot more go than you have now? And do you ever just, when you're with younger people, you say, man, all they're doing, go, 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 go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm saying, no, let's sit. Let's sit. It's real important. What the Lord wants to do is to take the wisdom of the sitters and put it in the go of the goers. That's what Moses is doing. So I want to say to both generations, the younger ones are going to be constantly saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. There's a temptation for the older ones to be saying, no, let's sit, let's sit, let's sit. We need to get that together. 
The older ones need to realize, man, I don't have the physical energy that the younger ones have, but man, I can sure help to give some direction. I can sure help to give some challenges. I can sure help them to dream dreams. Don't miss that. It's very important. First John says, I write to you older men because you've known God. I write to you younger men because you're strong. And we need to really pray for the strength of our church. We have an incredibly young church. That means that we have a lot of strength, but we also need a lot of wisdom. We need to have this balance of Moses, who can't go in and out, recognizing that he can't go in and out, but challenging those that can, young Joshua's that can go out and, and do what they need to do. Great exploits for God. I am now 120 years old and I'm no longer able to go in and out, is what the Hebrew text literally says. And the Lord said to me, Moses has a message from the Lord, you shall not cross the Jordan. Now that's tough. You know, some of you are going to get mad. You know, some of you have been talking to me about your midlife and this passage is a great passage about midlife, only Moses is at the end of life. But you know what's wrong with some of you? You feel that you've gotten a, wrong de- a raw deal. You had dreams when you were 20. You had visions of what you were going to do. And it hasn't happened. Not all of it has happened. In fact, the Lord has come to you. What some of you are realizing that are my age, a little bit older, you're realizing, you know, maybe it never will happen. And so you're disillusioned. You know, Moses could have been like that. The Lord told Moses specifically, right in the prime of his life, that he could not enter the promised land. You see, there was a time in his life where Moses made a mistake. You know, the Lord told him to just speak to the rock, and he struck it. And he took glory to himself. He, he took initiative that the Lord didn't want him to take. He just didn't have that easiness of flowing with what God wanted him to do. And so the Lord said, because you didn't glorify me before the people, you're not going to go in and possess the land. You know, that's hard. I've wrestled with the fact that Moses couldn't enter the land since I was a little kid. Because one of the things that tears me up inside more than anything is not to be able to do something. I mean, if you tell me, Dave, you can't do something, that's what I want to do. And so it's bugged me to tears. I said, Lord, he only blew. I mean, this is a great man. He had two million people irking him. He had two million people that were just constantly obnoxious. The poor guy lost it just really a couple times in his life. And now you're not going to let him enter the promised land. That's mean, isn't it? I'm going to get angry. I don't think I'm going to serve you anymore. That's what some of you are thinking. You know the Lord has set some parameters around you. He's put some physical parameters. He's put some spiritual parameters. You look ahead and you say, man, I just don't see how I can... My dreams aren't going to come true. Well, I got news for you. Who cares about your dreams? You know, God isn't really into your dreams, and he's not really into my dreams. And I know that's really hard on you because you're an American audience that's constantly told that it's really important for you to possess the land and for you to have all your dreams. No, it isn't. You know what's important? For you to obey, for you to be faithful, for you to do what the Lord wants you to do. The Lord told Moses, you're not going in and possess the land. And we could stop right there. Moses got angry, said, Lord, I'm not going to follow you anymore. I'm out of the Sinai thing. I'm out of this biblical thing, man. I'm out of this Israelite thing. I'm going back and I'm going to be a shepherd and I'm just going to enjoy myself on the fields and on the ranches for a few more years before I die. Moses could have done that, but he didn't. You know, one of the hardest things in life is to realize I'm not going to have a dream that I wanted to have. And yet to equip the younger generation that is going to accomplish the dream. How do you do that? When your dreams are God's dreams, not your own. 
And we desperately need that today. We have a lot of believers that are getting angry with God because they want to use God to enter their own land. They want to use God to accomplish what they want to accomplish. The issue is not what we want to accomplish. It's not what our dreams are. We need some Moseses that God can say, no, you're not going to go in. I'm going to set a boundary on you, Moses. And Moses had that sweet, sweet, mature spirit. Even though he pled with God. Earlier in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, I pled with God. In fact, the Lord, this is one of the times, right while Moses was praying, Lord, please let me in. Man, I've done all this for you. Please let me into the land. The Lord says, quit talking to me about that. It's hard to follow a father like that. It's hard to follow a leader like that. It says, I've had enough. You're not going in. That's just the way it is. And oh, I love the spirit of Moses because he could have gotten really angry. He could have said, I'm not going to do anything with Joshua. Forget it. But he didn't. The Lord came to Moses and said, you are not going to go in to possess the land, but there is somebody that is. He said, the Lord your God himself is going to cross over ahead of you, and he will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. What I want every one of you to realize, the key to Moses' life is he realized the issue in life is not the human leader that's with you, as important as, as it is God using that leader. But what God is reminding the nation of Israel and what God is reminding us is that the important thing is not who our human leader is. It's the fact that God is with us. And I could not stress to you enough how important it is in my life and in your life to realize that God is with me. You know, that's really a delicate thing. I trust with all my heart that God is with you today. You might be going through the most agonizing experience that you can imagine in life but if God is with you, it's okay. You see, if God is with you, you're going to be able to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. You're going to be, be able to be the man or woman that God wants you to be. And Moses is challenged to Israel at 120 years. Moses is the greatest leader that Israel probably ever had. Moses, the kids in school, they, I, some of my own kids were talking to me about studying the history of the, of the Jewish people. And they study about Moses. This is a great guy. But he's now 120 years of age. It's time for him to die. And what does he tell the people in this, in this rough time of transition? He says, God is with you. I'm not going to go with you. But God is with you. Mom and dad, you're going to have to do that with your kids. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to have to say, I can't be with you. And say, but God will be with you. And you're going to have to let go of them into, the, in, into God, with God. And let God do with them what, what he wants to do. And if you don't do that, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt them. In fact, that's what growing up is all about. Growing up is about learning to take the focus off of human dependence and onto God dependence. The key phrase in the Old Testament for all the great leaders of Israel, whether it's Joseph, whether it's Jacob, whether it's Moses, whether it's Abraham, is the Lord was with them. The Lord's with me today. By the grace of God, I can share with you, the Lord is with me today. As I teach and as I preach, as I minister, the Holy Spirit is using it. And people's lives are being changed. I have all kinds of evidence for that from you all. As you share with me what the Spirit of God is doing, I want you to realize that it has very little to do with me. It has everything to do with the presence of God. But I also want you to realize this. I can walk away. And so can you. And I want every one of you to realize how important it is that when you're quiet, 
when you partake of communion, to be able to get in touch with the deepest parts of your being and know the Lord's with me. Because this chapter is going to end. Moses is going to make a very strong statement. He's going to say the Lord's going to go away from you. The history of this people is going to be they're going to walk away from the Lord. They're going to be stubborn. They're going to, they're going to harden themselves against what God wants to do in their life, and they're going to walk away. And when they walk away, terrible defeats are going to happen in their life. There's going to be, there are going to be victories that they're not going to win. It's a very serious thing to cherish the presence of God in your life. I wrestle with that. There's times when I want to stiff, harden my neck, make myself stiff inside. I want to do what I want to do. I want to say what I want to say. And the Lord will wrestle with you inside, and it's so important. Moses is right on the heartbeat of our spiritual life, and he comes to every one of us and says, I'm not going to be able to be with you. Your human support is not going to be there. You better be sure that God is with you. And that's where our confidence comes. God is with you. God is with you and what he wants you to do. But don't take his presence for granted. Don't ignore him. When he moves in your heart and shows you from his word what he wants you to do, don't turn away from that. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. Isn't that great? He goes ahead of us. He doesn't go behind us. He doesn't just go with us. But the Lord goes ahead of us. He's already there accomplishing what he wants to accomplish through us. And he will destroy these nations before you. And you will take possession of the land. Israel faced a very literal challenge. I want you to feel the, the challenge they faced. Moses was speaking to a bunch of 20-year-old men. It was like getting them ready to invade Haiti, you might say. Only, only this was a, a mission that was sure, you know, not kind of back and forth. But, but it had that kind of a feel. We're getting men and a nation ready to go into battle. I mean, Jericho's really there. This is not pretendsville. Moses is speaking to a bunch of young men that in just a few short weeks are going to be marching around Jericho with all the people. In fact, the men, women, children, everybody are going to march around Jericho. There's going to be real battles. They're going to fight AI. They're going to lose some men. They're going to go up through the center of the land. They're going to go north and, and burn down Hatsur. They're going, to, they're going to meet a ten-nation confederacy that unites together against them. And they're going to go into battle. I want you to know, friends, this is the real thing. And it's tough to do that. What Moses is telling them, this 120-year-old man is saying, I'm not going to be able to go into those battles with you, but the Lord will. In fact, he's already there. He's already giving you victory. You say, Dave, I'm not facing that kind of a battle. Oh, yes, you are. Number one, I want all of you to realize that we fight not against flesh and bloods, but we fight against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. I want you to realize that we fight an internal warfare. And it has a lot to do with your spirit. I've been reminded in my ministry with you, and the Lord just pounds this home to me. Today I have you. By the grace of God, you're listening to me. By the grace of God, and I think it's an incredible miracle. You know, most of you are pretty well awake, and, and most of you can kind of remember what I teach you, and some of you even come up to me after all during the week and say, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. Your spirit is with me. You're with the Lord. You're learning from his word. Moses means something to you, and, and what Moses stood for means something to you. But you know what? The struggle that we wrestle with is that you are living in like a stream of life. 
You are living in like a stream of life, and it's like swimming up at split rock. It's a split-level waterfalls. And it falls down about 30 feet, then it falls another about 45 feet, and then it falls about 15. And you can swim in those pools, and this mountain stream just whooshes over these drops. And you can dive into those pools. And it's very interesting. There's a middle pool that you can get into, and, and there's another, like a 45-foot drop, right out of that pool. And it's interesting, you can get on the leaves of that pool, you can get in the, in the calm area of that pool, and you're fine. And when you're in that smooth lee water, there's no current, there's nothing. And I got out into that pool, and suddenly that current caught me. Mary's saying, man, honey, you're really out of shape. Man, you almost lost it. I said, honey, you don't know what kind of current you have. How many of you have ever been in a mountain stream, a good, strong mountain river, when the current catches you? And that's what, that's what all of you are facing. And the Lord makes me very much aware of that in my own life. There's like a spirit, there's like an attitude that wants to sweep you away, that wants to move you away. That's our enemy. It's an internal thing. And what I find is that some of this kind of, we, we venture a little bit out in that current. And we go, oh, I'm fine. And then we venture a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, and you're gone. That's what Moses is trying to get the people ready for a battle. The New Testament covenant is talking about an internal battle. And I want you to pray for me. I need you. You see, I need my heart to be open to Moses speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. As I speak to you today, the Spirit of God from the book of Deuteronomy begins to touch your heart. But that Spirit can change just like that, and then you don't want to listen. You're going to follow other voices and other movements, and, you're going to, and the current can sweep you away right over the waterfall. It's a real-life, honest-to-goodness battle where there are casualties and there are struggles at our heart. And Moses is saying through the, through the new covenant, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't fight against an earthly enemy so much as a spirit that works within us. And, and Satan can be connected with that, just as well as our own human spirit. Another enemy that we have, Yesterday, you know, I was reminded again, I've often shared with you, it's really good for me. Because ordinarily, I'm surrounded by a lot of you. And I hear, you know, I, I hear you talking, I try to witness to somebody about Jesus, and I try to talk to somebody about Jesus. Most of you are really into this Jesus thing. But, you know, yesterday I got, I got a good dose of what you handle every day. Because, I mean, there were about three guys standing around us that just, that just cussed through the whole game. I mean, they were bitter, they were angry, they used the F word over and over and over again. They used the S word over and over again. They blamed Jesus every time. They, and you know what? If I, you're just overwhelmed. and That's what I sense some of you feel. You feel overwhelmed. Here's thousands of students cussing Jesus. That's tough. That's the world we're in. You know, that's a battle. And Kim was just telling me this morning, you know, part of the battle that he was waging, I was ready to punch out. If, if, I, if I, I said, Lord, I, this is what I was thinking. I'm going to go home and lift weights a lot more. And I'm going to ride my bicycle a lot more. In fact, I'm going to muscle up so that I can bench press about 350 pounds. And the next time I go to one of those games, I'm going to go up there and grab that guy by the neck. And I'm going to pick him right up by the shirt and lift him high up above my head and say, don't you talk about my Savior like that one more time. But you know, that's not really the way. You know what Kim was doing? Kim told me he was praying for this kid. 
That's the warfare, Kim. That's the warfare. Kim told me, he said, you know, when I began to think, you know, maybe no one's ever prayed for this kid before. And that's true. That's the kind of warfare that you'll, you'll wage and you'll win. And those are the kind of battles that we need to fight. Some of you, some of you in, this, in the public school, you feel overwhelmed. You feel like there's no parents, there's no authority. It just feels like we can't win. Let's pray and let's believe. Is God among us or not? Is God among us? Is God with us? What did Moses say? The Lord will do what? He'll go before you. You know, the Lord's already walked for you. The Lord's already walked into the Venus School District. He's already walked into, into Midlothian, Waxahachie, Cedar Hill. He's already walked into the public school for us. It's a real battle, but, but he's already there. Little kids' lives that you thought could never, never change can be changed. Just in Awana this week, Mary was sharing with me. She was listening to the kids say their verses, and one of the kids in her group, I won't say who it was, but Mary remembers when they first came to Awana many years ago. Now they're in junior high school, and Mary told the Lord many years ago, this kid's impossible. He was impossible in school. He was impossible at church. He was just plain impossible. He was a child castaway. But you know what Mary told me before we went to bed that, that night? She said, you know, he had all of his verses memorized. He told her about how he received Jesus. And Mary said, I just can't believe it. It's a, it's a new kid. It's a different kid. How many of you believe that can happen? You better believe it because the Lord is with us. Some of the high school kids right now, like we need to really join with them in praying. You see, the high school kids this year really believe that God is with them. They believe God is with them. They believe that God could really do something in their school. They're starting to pray. They're asking the Lord to work. Do you believe that God can work? You see, it doesn't make any difference what the laws are. If the Lord breaks out, he'll do his thing. No one's stopping the kids from praying. They're praying every Friday. No one's saying they can't do that. If they organize it, they can do it. Wouldn't it be neat if we had just a student-led prayer meeting that we had instead of like maybe 50, 60 kids, maybe we had 350 kids or 500 kids praying? That could happen because the Lord has already gone in there. That's what Moses wants us to catch a vision of. He wants us to catch a vision that the Lord has already gone in ahead of us. I love, like I share with you about Scott. I didn't tell you his name. His name is Scott. He's, he got up before the audience. He tells all these peddlers, you know what? He says, I was a drunken cowboy. I, I, I had relationships with my wife and got her pregnant. That's why I, got to get mar I had to get married. Well, he's blunt. And then he looked at Diane and he said, you know, he said, Diane, I can't believe what God has done in your life and I can't believe the Lord has given you to me. I can't believe we're saved. And he just started bawling. That's what God can do. And, and Scott was just saying, he said, I just can't believe I'm here. I just want all of you to know I'm overwhelmed that God is in my life. I, I can't even believe he's made me a pastor. I'm an idiot. I'm a cowboy. I'm, I was drunk half the time. And now I get up before God's people and teach in the word of God. And, and the tears just rolled on his face. And he said, you know, this has been like our honeymoon. It's been the first honeymoon we've really had because now we're God's children. And we've been able to get away for the first time and just be what God wants us to be. I prayed with Scott before I preached each one of those meetings just about. You know, when you prayed with Scott, when I pray, I was raised with this stuff. So when I asked the Lord, Lord, I really need you to work. I really believe you're with me. It, it just kind of rolls off. Not Scott. 
he started his prayer, Hi, Daddy. Dave taught us to pray that you're our Daddy in heaven. I just want to say hello. This is Scott. And you remember me? I was, I was this cowboy. And then he says, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people. At it. There, there's some people in our fellowship that can't get along. Lord, today, you need to get them straightened out. It's the way he prays. And he has no doubt. He, says, he, he just says, Lord, he says, you remember what a mess I was. Some of these people are a mess. Get them straightened out. Boy, that breathes strength into me. Boy, that breathes strength into me. You know why? Because he believed what Moses says. The Lord is with us. Scott knows the Lord's with him because he remembers what it was like when the Lord wasn't with him. Some of us that have been raised in it don't feel badly. What a privilege to have Jesus with us all along. But don't take it for granted. We close with this, and we'll get into this more as we continue our study of the book of Deuteronomy. But Moses does something really important, and we'll just mention it in closing. You can think about it. It says, Joshua, in the, in, in the middle of verse 3, Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said, and the Lord will do to them what he did to Zion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, destroyed them and gave also their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I commanded. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. Because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What a great, great privilege. Be strong and courageous, the Lord told. I want you to see that Moses challenged the people. I'm not going to be able to go in and possess the land, but the Lord is going to possess the land. And the Lord's going to give you younger leadership. The Lord's going to give you strong leadership that's going to be able to go in and possess the land with you. And then he challenges them with be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Because the Lord promises that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I want to challenge you in your own individual life. Are you praying for some things that the Lord just has to do? I find the Lord has incredible surprises when you start to believe. And you start to live with him. And you start to look at things totally different. Don't take for granted the presence of the Lord in your life. But the Lord has great victories for us to win. He has people this week for us to share with. Father, I just want to thank you so much for this older man, Moses, that instead of having a crisis that made him abandon you or made him abandon his people, that he accepted his, his status as a patriarch within his nation. And he took the time, as all good patriarchs need to do, to verbally and orally proclaim the great traditions of the people, the message that they received from God. Lord, I thank you for the message that you've given my heart today and my brothers and sisters, that even though our human leadership can grow old and it can grow weak, that we follow a king of kings who will never grow old, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, Lord, that he's promised us that as we're courageous and as we're unafraid, that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. He'll never totally abandon us. Even when the children of Israel wandered away and even when he took away his protective hand, we're thankful that ultimately history teaches us and prophecy will teach us that he's not going to abandon his people forever. Lord, I just want to pray for any one of my brothers and sisters that might be playing in the lee of that mountain stream. They're kind of putting their foot in that current. They're kind of feeling the current of the world. They're deciding whether they're going to follow obedience to your written word or whether they're going to walk away and follow their own desires and their own way of looking at things. 
Oh, Lord, help them to realize how dangerous it is to play in that current. I'd ask you, Lord, that we would cling to you, that we would have tender consciences that respond to the voice of your Spirit teaching us quietly in our heart what is right and what is wrong. Lord, I just would pray that we would hear down through the centuries Moses giving the same charge to us as we invade our high schools and our grammar schools and our, our workplaces, our neighborhoods. I pray that we'll hear Moses say to us, be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Because the Lord has promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And if the Lord is with us, then we have infinite power to do the infinite things that he wants us to do to be able to touch lives for Jesus. 